Welcome to the First Down Rundown podcast. I'm your host, Matt Vozar. I am doing the solo venture pod for the second time in a row. That is because Hayden is still in Disney World. Apologies as during the weekend episode last time, I told you guys that me and Hayden would both be back for the weekday episode this week. Obviously, that is false because Hayden spent an entire week in Disney World and he is still there living it up and having fun. Um, regardless, I'm here and that's all that matters because we're going to be going over the content we're going to give you guys you know the analysis that you want um and and we have a jam-packed episode let me let me start out by saying we're doing this a day later than normal because of the adjusted schedule that the nfl went with um in terms of you know the covid games and everything there were two nfl games on a tuesday night it was great because we had more football um but obviously kind of wanted to see all of the week 15 action transpire before recording the podcast so that's why we're here today that's why we're here right now um giving you guys the content that you deserve that you came here to listen to and we're going to be we're going to be getting on a roll today talking about a a, a bunch of different topics we have the nfl we have college football we have nba we have college basketball um and obviously you see in the title some of that is 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 outlined but really so much more content to dive into here uh as we get started so without any further ado let's get into the first nfl topic here uh we're gonna be talking about the cardinals obviously and like i said you just see it in the you see it in the title um the cardinals have been a polarizing team this season um some people think they're underrated some people think they're overrated um because essentially you know cliff kingsbury has been the coach there for you know for i think three years now kyler murray's been the starting quarterback there for for three years now and each season they've gotten better but at the same time each season they've started off really good just to kind of fade near the end of the season. Now, last year, I think it was a pretty almost mirroring this this situation here for this season, um, where last year they think they started out like six and one, and then basically ended the season like two and five or two and six or something. Um, and a lot of that had to do with Kyler Murray getting hurt, you know, with the shoulder, his throwing shoulder. It, it, it's explainable, right? I mean, you can't throw if you hurt your shoulder, throwing shoulder. So, so that really held them back from, I think, reaching their true potential of last season's kind of great start um and so there was a lot of kind of hope going into this season however because they've never really gotten to the playoffs because they've never really I guess kind of gone up against these great teams and 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 really proven themselves and beaten you know the 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 better teams in the NFL everybody kind of just thinks okay yeah like you know they're they're a great team they're a Cinderella but but they're not legit right we we don't think of them amongst the teams that we do in terms of solidarity uh like we do like the Packers like the Patriots like the Bills like the Chiefs right so all of these teams who have established their dominance within the NFL the Cardinals are 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 not really thought of in that same grouping um and so this season was really their opportunity to come out and say, hey, we're here with the big dogs. We're here to compete. And, and, and that's what that's what they've really been doing up until now. Right. They were they had a 10 and 10 and three record, um, you know, only suffered losses really to other good teams. The Packers, you know, beat them on a last second when technically that, you know, the Cardinals could have won that game very easily. Um, they lost to the Panthers when when Kyler Murray wasn't starting, um, you know, and, and, and so we had, you know, uh, um, what's his, what's his face? <laughs> I'm blanking on the, on the Colt McCoy, of course, of all people, Colt McCoy, uh, led them to a two and one record when he was the quarterback. And, and so we, we started thinking, you know, well, wow. So, so it seems like Cliff Kingsbury has got it really rolling over there. Obviously Kyler Murray is a great, you know, he was an MVP candidate to start the year. He got, you know, he got dinged up a little bit. Colt McCoy came in and, and essentially nothing, Kept, nothing stopped. Everything kept rolling just as it was before, and so it really was a okay, great. So, so, so there really is a system developed here. There's, there's, there's some, there's some true talent on the team. They have a good system, and they're going to keep on winning these games. And, and, and they have until this past week when they lost to they the one and eleven, one eleven and one uh, Lions, and. and you know, people are throwing out all the stats. I think I think the most compelling stat uh, from this from this you know from this result is that the Cardinals this week um, are the first team to well let's put it let's let's flip let's flip it around. So the Lions are the first team first one win team to beat a ten win team by double digits in NFL history. This has never happened before. An upset of this magnitude. Sorry. 
I, I, I messed up the stat. Let me let me re-say it, okay? Lions are the first one-win team to beat a 10-win team by double digits in NFL history. So so it wasn't just the it wasn't just the the, the difference in record, but also the magnitude by which the team with a worse record won. And, and so and we saw the whole game. It just it the, the Cardinals didn't have it. They didn't bring it. It you know you're going across the country to Detroit. It's it's a tough spot to be in. Um, but really, I think what we come away from this thinking is like, look, the Lions don't have a great team. The, ro- the talent on the roster is just bad. And, and from what the Cardinals have shown us so far this season, they're, they're solid. They have good players, and they're able to win these games, as I mentioned with the Colt McCoy thing, even when they don't have all of their starters. Uh, and, so, and so that really points to the fact that they are a solid team and something that, you know, I think that they were starting to kind of prove their, their, their uh, you know, warrant, being warranted to have them in the discussion of the top teams in the NFC uh, who, who really can make a playoff run and compete for a Super Bowl here, as, as obviously Kyler Murray was also kind of making his, his um, MVP push as well. So really the question here with the Cardinals comes down to, you know, is it fair to allow this loss to the Lions to be the deciding factor in the outlook of the Cardinals season? And then, you know, kind of in addition to that, what does their playoff future look like? And and I already touched on this a little bit, but I think I, I, I don't think the this one loss to the Lions can be the deciding factor in the outlook of, of their season at large. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to put the Cardinals into that discussion that people, some people say they should be in, but other people are keeping them out of. As I said, as I mentioned before, you know, there, there's kind of two thoughts, uh, there's kind of two schools on this on this thought experiment here where you have some people saying, look, they're underrated, they're, you know, they're great, they won with Colt McCoy, obviously the system's good, they should be considered one of the best teams in the NFL. And then there's the other kind of school of thought, which is, they haven't beaten any of the great teams, and they haven't really made a playoff push. We're going to wait until they prove it to us before we kind of anoint them as one of the best teams in the NFL. And so that's that's really my argument here. It's like if you're going to have a loss like this, you, you can't be talked about among the best teams in the NFL. However... You, it, it can't be a deciding factor in in the in the long run in in kind of talking about their season, how it was, how successful they are, and then whether or not, obviously, whether they're not going, whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. So that's, I think, kind of the answer to that to that situation where um, you know, and, and I kind of just I kind of just laid it out, you know, pretty much already. And so now, if we're going to shift the conversation to more of their playoff future. It, that's kind of when the the conclusion that I just drew, you know, kind of gets a little bit more serious here, kind of gets a little bit more contentious is because if we're not going to include the Cardinals among the talk of, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL, well, who's going to be making the playoffs? Obviously, with the new playoff format, a lot of the teams in the NFL make the playoffs. However, you know, obviously, that's that's kind of general news at this point. But it, but are they going to be, you know, competing for the NFC Championship? Are they going to make a playoff? Are they going to win a playoff game, right? Let's just start there because they, because they haven't uh, for a long while here. So, and, and it's really hard to tell. I, I'm not. I'm not someone who likes to make you know super hot takes and, and 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 project teams into where I think they'll go. When I really have no idea what's going to happen. None of us do. But if we're gonna look at it from a standpoint of, as we've seen throughout the season here, the NFC, the top of the NFC, is a much stronger group of teams than the top of the AFC. I think that conference just has more competition when it comes to the playoff teams that'll be playing and 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 kind of the competition that the Cardinals are going to have to face. And so because of that, I'm gonna say, you know what? They, hopefully they'll they'll be able to guys I guess hang on here, um, you know, towards the end of the season and, and and still win the division. That way they at least have a home playoff game because I think that provides a, a significant advantage for any playoff team. The other thing, obviously, that we have to mention with this is the health of Kyler Murray. And I think it was smart for the Cardinals to hold him out as long as they did because you know, missing three games is a pretty is a pretty significant you know time period. But at the same time, they won they went two and one in those three games. So so his loss wasn't you know wasn't detrimental to their record to their playoff position and and, and the projections for where they where where they will end up in the playoffs. Um, but as we saw, it might have it might have kind of gotten them a little bit out of sync in the way that they were going with their offense and, and kind of the you know the 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 progression that they were showing or lack thereof when it came to a game like this against a Lions team that look you know 
you can say the system is great because Colt McCoy won those games and, and you know and, and they've been they've been winning these games all throughout the season and, and obviously right all the kudos to them but it's like if you're going to be mentioned amongst the best teams in the NFL you cannot lose a game like this to the Lions right I mean I mean the Packers play the Lions twice a year and, and I can't remember the last time the Lions beat the Packers right so it's like if you're going to be that solid of a team and you want us to be considered you want us to consider you as one of those teams you can't lose games like this I get it you're on the road Kyler's coming back he's still maybe a little bit dinged up regardless you have to be able to pull this out and they didn't even they didn't have a shot right I mean they went down you know 17 nothing they went down 24 to 3 uh and they and they started kicking field goals and it's like dude you know if you want to win this game you got to prove it like you want to win this game so I think that's kind of the you know the 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 conclusion that we can draw for the Cardinals is like they have talent they have promise if they can win the division, that this is kind of going to be my my consensus here is if they can win the division, get a home playoff game, I like them to win at least one playoff game. But as we go forth here, and you you, you talk about teams like the Bucks and like the Packers, it's it's not going to be smooth sailing for the Cardinals, um, kind of going forth in the playoffs. The second NFL topic that we're going to go over here is 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 more of just a general one, kind of discussing a few bigger storylines from Week 15, which included the Bucks getting shut out nine to nothing on Sunday Night Football by the Saints as well as the Ravens losing on a questionable two-point decision. So let's talk about the Bucks a little bit here. Obviously, like I said, it, the, the the performance was terrible. It the, the, all sides of the ball they looked they looked out of sync. They looked slow. They looked old. Um, and, and and really, there there wasn't much positivity to to take from this game. The only kind of excuse I think that you can make, which I think is a valid one, is that obviously pretty much all of their skilled players on offense are hurt. Um, and, and even a lot of the players on defense. Levante David, he's out for the rest of the regular season now. Um, Chris Godwin's out you know, for the season. He tore his, his MCL. And, and so, and you had Mike Evans go down, you had Leonard Fournette go down, he's not going to be playing this coming weekend. So, they were really decimated in this game, um, and, and, and I think that really kind of, you know, forced them into a situation where, you know, they didn't really know what to do. You know, you see Chris Godwin go down, you see Mike Evans go down, you're like, all right, what's, you know, what do we do now? Okay, let's, let's, let's you know, let's, let's, uh, let's run up a game plan for Leonard Fournette. Oh, wait, he's gone down. Okay, we have absolutely nothing. And it's like, at that point, you know, even, even the greatness of Tom Brady can can't bring them back from a situation like that. I, however, at this point, and you know, we kind of the same discussion that we are having with the Cardinals is like you can't put up zero points on Sunday night football against the Saints, who, yes, their defense is pretty good, but definitely not, you know, not top five by any means in the NFL. And so that's kind of the same argument that I was making with the Cardinals is like the Cardinals, you know, you can't have a loss like the Lions, right? Similar situation with the Bucks. You can't get shut out by the Saints on Sunday night football against, you know, a team that who, the Saints didn't even have Sean Payton, their head coach. The, you know, they, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't look particularly great. They didn't score a touchdown either. They only kicked three, you know, they kicked three field goals and they won the game. So it, that, that was really kind of the alarming um, storyline coming out of this game is like Brady just looked old. He, he, he wasn't able to produce like he normally was. Gronk was dropping passes right, which we never see that happen. So, so that's kind of the 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 takeaway from this game. And and it really, it, and this is kind of talked about all the time too. Is like the Saints just seem to have the Bucks number. The 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 Bucks are zero and three in the regular season against the Saints since Brady's gotten there. Um, and, and it's really great. We saw the game earlier this season where, you know, that was the game when Jameis Winston went down, Trevor Seaman comes in, and and it and it basically, they don't skip a beat, right? They keep scoring. They pick, they get a pick six against Brady on the last drive. It's like, what? It's he just looks like a different guy when they play the Saints. I don't know how that happens. But as we saw last year in the playoffs, it doesn't matter, right? The Bucks beat the Saints handily in the playoffs. So And that was with Drew Brees and everything. So, again, this is an interesting result. Will it affect what's going to happen with the Bucks going forward here? I don't think so. Uh, and and really, the last three games they have two games about two games against the Panthers, and then I think a game against the Jets or something. You know, one of the other you know bad teams in the NFL. Where you know if they they win out, they you know they're going to be going thirteen and four, which is an insanely great regular season. They they pretty much already clinched the division on um, the the NFC South, so they'll have home playoff games. It's really going to be competition between them um, and, and and maybe the NFC West winner in terms of who gets the two. There, uh, kind of, you know, as we enter the playoffs, so so nothing, nothing seriously bad on the part of the um, on the part of the Buccaneers. The Ravens, on the other hand, 
I was at this game. I was in Baltimore. I watched the Packers play. They're my favorite team. Uh, you know, my girlfriend bought me tickets. We we went. We had we spent the weekend there. It was really awesome. It was the it was the second ever NFL game that I've even been to, um, and it was it was it was awesome. We were in M&T Bank Stadium. I also work for M&T Bank, so that was kind of a cool correlation there. Um, and, and and so and it was really great to see this game. And and really going into it, it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, the, the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson, so the Packers. I think the Packers were favored by seven or eight points. You know, wait, wait, let's just see if the Ravens can kind of keep this a little bit close. And as we were going early fourth quarter, you know, it's looking it's twenty eight seventeen and. and Packers look like they're kind of pouring it on here. Um, the Ravens played well to start. They were at 14-7, and then obviously, right, like I said, kind of, you know, got, got down big there a little bit. Um, and 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 the Ravens go for it on fourth. It was like fourth and six from their own 30-yard line. They don't get it. Packers get the ball back, and it's funny because this is kind of how the the, 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 uh, the transition or the uh, transpiring of events here went was, you know, my girlfriend's like, I'm super cold. Let's go home. I'm like, yeah, me too. Because it, it was actually really cold up there in the, you know, up there in the stands and everything. And so I'm like, you know what? You're right. It, it, right. I've seen all the greatness of Aaron Rodgers that I want to see. Um, you know, let's, let's leave. If they can score a touchdown here, it'll be 35-17. No way the Ravens can come back from that uh, and we'll be good to go here and then so I'm like all right fine and so then the Packers kick a field goal they go up 31 17 I'm like oh my god it's a 14 point game all right let's just leave after the next Ravens drive right hopefully the Packers can stop them that's pretty much going to end the game well that's not what happened the Ravens went down and scored a touchdown immediately I'm like all right it's a seven point game of oh boy as long as Aaron Rodgers can hold this out for one last drive you know either run the clock out or maybe even score again we'll be good nope three and out right Packers have it then they shank the punt it's it, you know Ravens get it on the Packers like 40 yard line they're in prime scoring position and I'm like dude we just need to stop them on one fourth down that didn't happen once again go right down the field and score Tyler Huntley put on show man I'm telling you that guy, that guy can play um you've, you've definitely heard the stat by now Tyler Huntley is the first Ravens quarterback ever to have two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns in the same game. Even Lamar hasn't done that. So that was a really great showing by him against the Packers defense, who historically hasn't been great. And Roger Rogers has carried them throughout the postseason, but this year are playing really well. Um, and, and Tyler Huntley definitely showed his stuff against a good defense. So, we're sitting there, it's 31-30, and I'm like, all right, you know what, that's fine. I'm, I look over to my girlfriend, I'm like, let's just go home. I don't want to be here for another hour and a half of overtime. It, you know, if the Packers win, that's great, but we had to drive, you know, we had to drive like an hour and a half back home. You know, it's already late, we got to work the next day. So I'm like, okay, let's leave. And then I just hear the car, the crowd go quiet, and I'm like, what? And the guy, and the, you know, the people behind us are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And the offense is on the field, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We have to stay for the end of this game now, because this last play is the game. And so obviously the Ravens don't make it. The Packers win 31 30. Uh, and, and they didn't have, they wouldn't have even had a shot to win because they didn't go to overtime. So that, and then walking out of the stadium then too, obviously I'm happy because the Packers won and, and, you know, and you can argue that they, they, they really were trying to give it away there near the end, but they, they got the dub. That's all that matters for the one seed in the NFC now. No big deal. <laughs> um, but, um, but really, walking out of the stadium, you hear all the Ravens fans. They're so mad, and they're cursing John Harbaugh. They're saying that's the worst decision he's ever made. How could you, you know, with all this momentum, how could you let the, how could you let the team, you know, or the game come down to this one, you know, two-yard play when, you know, it, we could have gone to overtime and had a chance. Here's the thing, and and a lot of people have been kind of siding with the, you know, you kick the extra point, you go to overtime, you got a chance to win it. Let's get into a little bit of math here, okay? The chance that you convert a two-point conversion, let's say, is fifty percent. It's 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 probably you know it's probably right around that, right? And I've heard that been thrown around. I th I think that's a pretty accurate number. So fifty percent you convert you convert a two-point conversion. That's so that's fifty percent that you win the game right there, right? Now, you if you decide to go to overtime, you kick the extra point. Justin Tucker is like 92, 95% on extra points. He's probably going to make the extra point, right? So, so, so let's say he makes the extra point. Again, it's not even a given that he makes the extra point. Let's say he does make the extra point. You're going to overtime. Coin toss, 50% chance, right? If you win the coin toss, what's your percentage chance of going 75 yards or 80 yards down the field and scoring a touchdown to win the game automatically? Eh, I mean, probably, you know, about 50, maybe probably less than 50, I would say, especially. Yes, Tyler Hundley played well, but probably not up to 50%, okay? So what's the other side of the 50% of losing the coin toss? That's Aaron Rodgers getting the ball. And do you really have confidence in your defense 50%, more, more than 50% of the time to score or to stop Aaron Rodgers from scoring a touchdown or a field goal to give your chance, your guys a chance to win? And on top of that, 
even if you do stop Aaron Rodgers, keeping them to a field goal or no points at all, then you have to go all the way on the field again with your offense and, and, and either kick a field goal to tie or score a touchdown to win. Basically, the odds of going to overtime and winning a game in overtime, you, you basically have to multiply your odds that you're going to win the coin toss by the percentage chance of you stopping Aaron Rodgers or the percentage chance of you scoring a touchdown on an 80-yard drive, you know, right off the bat. So you, that's 50% multiplied by 50%. I mean, you know, we can all do math here. That's 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 basically 25% chance. Assuming you win the coin toss and you go down to score the score the ball, 25% chance of winning the game. Whereas if you're going for a two-point conversion, 50-50, that's a way bigger chance, right? 50% is way greater than 25. So I think the two-point conversion was the right decision. I don't think it was the right play call. I watched it live at the stadium and I and I was sitting in the end zone. So I saw, you know, I saw the blocking. I saw the whole, you know, him rolling out to the right. The Packers knew it was coming. They saw it all day long. So I think the play call was wrong. I think the decision was correct. And at the end of the day, too, you know, you see the Steelers win. You see the Browns, obviously the Browns won on Monday, but the Browns, you know, had a, had an easy game against the against the Raiders. You, you know, the Bengals won against the against the Broncos. So to keep to keep, you know, tracking your division, to keep it up, like you gotta you gotta make something happen. You gotta try to beat a team like the Packers because at the end of the day too you know yes you have the momentum but at the end of the day like what offense is going to score more points in overtime percentage again another percentage chance kind of opportunity here the Packers offense or the Ravens offense I would argue the Packers offense obviously I'm a fan of them but I would say you know Aaron Rodgers has a better opportunity to score on the football than you know than 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 Huntley does all credit to him you know throughout the game so definitely a great job by uh, by the Packers to kind of you know sniff that out and, and win the game uh, but overall, I do think it was the right decision by uh, Jim Harbaugh to to or John sorry excuse me John Harbaugh to go for the two point conversion. Last topic for the NFL here. All right, let's get an update on two of the more interesting divisions in the NFL. So the NFC West currently has three teams in the playoffs: uh, the 49ers, the Cardinals, and the Rams, which are all separated by one game. Well, actually, um, all have the same record now. They're all ten and four um, at the, in, in the in the in the NFC West out there, which is crazy. I mean, it's it's always been really a tough division, especially when you know when the Seahawks were going and the 49ers were good, um, and now that Sean McVay's you know kind of taken over the Rams here, they've been good. So um, you know, so you have three teams at ten and four. That's really you know that's it's insane to kind of see who's going to win that division. Uh, on the other hand, we have the AFC North, which is now technically the worst division in football because their best record in that division is eight and six, right? Um, which you know before we were talking about oh the most competitive division in football well it may be the most competitive but are the teams in it actually as good as we thought they were to begin the season I don't think so um and so what's the outlook here, right, for, for, for both sides of the division? I think at this point, with, you know, with three games left to go, I think it, it's almost a lock for all three of the NFC West teams to make the playoffs. With 10 and 4 records, you can't deny that, you know, that they're all going to make it in because we have a bunch of the other teams, you know, like the, some, some, you know, like, like the Vikings, like the Eagles, right, who, who have okay records but, but won't be able to make a wild card if, if two of those spots are already taken up by teams who have great records to begin with. So um, I think all of them are going to make the playoffs which is going to be really interesting because you'll probably end up you know with a uh, basically a third division game played against each other uh once you have you know whichever team ends up winning division versus you know versus a wild card team who obviously deserves to be there but is still in the same division i think that'll be really cool to see so that's my outlook for the nfc west now the afc north um it's hard to tell right all of those teams have have good aspects and bad aspects um we can really go through all of them here the Steelers are just the most confusing team ever. They they basically you know they 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 just don't like they don't look like they don't even want to play in the first half. They come out in the second half of, of of every game, not just this past game, which I think was kind of a you know a good a good a good case study for what they basically play like every game. Um, you know they they they're just so hard to get a read on. The Bengals have some good wins, but they also have gotten blown out a couple times. Um, and, and when when their defense isn't playing well, they they give up a ton of points, and Joe Burrow can't keep up. The Browns, obviously, we've talked about it. Their running game is good. The defense is good. Miles Garrett is a beast, but Baker Mayfield, you can't really rely on him to you know to to really put the team on his back and win a game. Um, and then with the Ravens, obviously, like we just talked about, you know, they're, the defense is not that great. Obviously, they've been torn up by injuries. Uh, you know, Marlon Humphrey, all the defensive guys, as well as all the running backs. So, so really, I think in, if in a vacuum, if there were no injuries and whatever, I think the Ravens would would be on top of this division. And I do think they still have a good chance to even win the division, even without that. But I think they definitely have a way better record than eight and six. And Lamar Jackson hasn't played now two games. Um, so. 
So I think that, you know, in, in totality, um, it's going to be – it's it's extremely tough to, to kind of conjecture who's going to win this division. And really, you know, if Lamar Jackson continues to beat up, I don't get beat or be beat up, you know, be hurt beyond the injury report. I don't see in a world where any of these teams – obviously one team will, will win the division and get a home playoff game, but I, I don't I don't really see any of these teams winning even one playoff game. Um, I think the only one that has a chance, like I said, is the Ravens, who if they get Lamar Jackson back um, – can definitely win a home playoff game against one of these kind of, you know, mid-tier NFC wild card teams. However, as I just mentioned, one of them might be, you know, a 12 and 12 and 3 um or 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 12 and uh what the heck is going to be the record here? Um 12 and 5 NFC West team, right? I mean, who wants to face that? So so it'll be interesting there. Um oh wait, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I Completely different conferences. Just X out everything I just said. I know I can. I know I can edit the podcast and take it out, but but I want you guys to, to get riled up and be like, Matt, you are the dumbest person ever. Please stop talking right now. And, and at least I recognized my my mistake there. Um, let's go ahead and switch the topic to college football. Uh, I think that was a great you know great a great uh, great great stack of NFC or NFL topics there. Um, and and I think we kind of covered the news well. So college football. All right, we got bowl season going on. Bowl season is the best. It's 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 the holiday season. It's you know you got games basically every day. You know the teams playing. When, who knows who North Texas is and my, why are they playing Miami of Ohio? I have no idea. But they're playing on a Wednesday at like two thirty in the afternoon. It's football. It's it's the winner. It's on days that you wouldn't otherwise have football. I love it. Right, and, and every college and every every football fan in general should also love it. But the opt outs. All right. The opt outs are getting ridiculous. And essentially what it is, is players who are opting not to play in the bowl game, whether that be because they don't they don't want to get injured. They want to improve their draft stock, you know, any number of reasons. But really, there's no regulations you know, around who can opt out and why they can opt out. And so it's essentially just a game time decision. Um, and, and so that really what, what ends up happening is the best players for the teams who are playing in these bowl games don't end up playing in the games. And so it's really just like a bad level of competition. And and, and obviously COVID isn't, isn't helping things either. We've already seen the Texas A&M game just got canceled today. Uh, you know, they were supposed to play Wake Forest, uh, one of my super dogs shout out, but that game was canceled because too many tex- too many players on Texas A&M have COVID. They wouldn't even be able to field a team. I mean, that's ridiculous. So the opt-outs and COVID, it's just making the bowl season really, you know, really kind of a negative experience. Now, re- the question that I kind of am asking here, and obviously I'm not even going to be able to answer it, is does the – is this is it still enjoyable the bowl season in general? Is it still enjoyable as it as it was even a few years ago when you didn't have opt outs, you didn't have these teams, you know, who who were dealing with COVID? Um, or am I only thinking this way because I'm in a bunch of bowl game pools where I have to pick the most points associated with each bowl game winner, and you know, and and I can win a thousand dollars there, and I'm also betting on these games, you know, and trying to win money there. Obviously, right? There, there's there's some aspect to that where. If you're a football fan and you don't have money on any of these games, you're not in a bunch of these bowl game pools, and you just want to watch football on a Monday, you know, Monday afternoon at at, at 1:30 p.m., that's awesome. And you don't care who's starting for these for these teams and whatnot. Um, and so that's that's I think kind of the overall the overall point here is like if you don't if you're not involved with these games in in a way other than just watching the football transpire, um, it's still great. And, and and to a certain extent, I am in that in that uh, you know in that in that pool where I would I, I still love the bowl games. I watch every single one of them. I love it. Um, but but I think it's just the opt out. Like like for example, right? BYU they're they're number they're like number 12 in the country, you know, they, they had a great season, they beat five Pac-12 teams, they went 5-0 and against the Pac-12, um, and they have a really great team. Jaron Hall is the guy who took over for Zach Wilson last year. He has been absolutely electrifying this year. He has led the BYU offense. They've been amazing. Um, they really outperformed the expectations preseason that we had of BYU. Um, and 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 they and they were a great team. They got matched up against UAB in their bowl game. Who no you know no no disrespect 
to UAB, but they're not the class of competition that BYU should be playing in a bowl game. And so, you know, they had to travel all the way to, you know, to all the way to Louisiana. You know, you're already thinking, all right, you know, what's going to happen here? And turns out, basically like five minutes before the before the game started, the BYU head coach was just like, oh yeah, Jaron Hall, so this guy who's been leading our team to this great record and and the reason that our the entire reason that our team was actually good this year. Yeah, so he's not going to play. And uh, oh, oh, the, the the backup. Yeah, he's not going to play either. They start their third string quarterback, right? And then they they end up losing the game 31-28. So it's like if they had started their quarterback, they would have crushed UAB. And obviously, you know, I, I, that would have benefited me in multiple ways other than just watching the game and having fun doing so. Um, but but I think that's the point here, right? Is like, wh- what do we make of this? This essentially, you know, this this ruling or or this this kind of you know popular decision of just opting out of these bowl games. When it, it makes the competition worse, obviously it's still football, and obviously it's still you know it's still it's still enjoying to it's enjoyable to watch and all that. But I don't know. I'm just thinking kind of you know for my own for my own benefit here. Obviously, you know most of you guys listen to the podcast who who maybe you know aren't in the bowl game pools and whatnot. You know you don't really care. You're like, hey, there's football on, and, and I and I definitely subscribe to that school of thought as well. Um, just you know just kind of more I guess a personal thing when you see you know when you see you know your, your star running back just not decide not to play it's like uh you you know come on man what are we doing and obviously again i i totally agree with the idea to opt out you know if, if you're if you're supposed to go in the second round of the draft you you don't want to risk getting hurt um and you know and and, and your draft stock plummeting and, and essentially you know costing yourself potentially millions of dollars right so i totally get the opt-out decision i just think it's you know it, it for, for the bowl game's sake, I think it would be better if there, you know, if you weren't allowed to opt out or if you kind of decided to opt out, you know, way earlier in the process, that that way you can kind of, they can kind of make the bowl game decisions based on that. Um, so that's my topic about the bowl season and the opt outs. Again, a, a sore subject, you know, kind of internally for me, but overall, definitely not something that's going to impact the landscape of college football. Let's switch to a topic that is going to affect the landscape of college football, and that is the transfer portal. Yes, yes, yes. You saw in the topic, the transfer portal is bigger than ever, especially after the rule change a couple years ago, which allow players to have immediate eligibility. Now, let me explain this a little bit. I think before, you know, I think maybe three years ago or so, they changed the rule. Um, prior to the rule change, if you transferred from one team to another, you had to sit out for the entire next year before you were eligible to play for that team. Okay, so you know, let's say you're you're uh, you know you're you're at you're at uh, you know you're at Wisconsin and you want to transfer to Minnesota, right? You're gonna go Big Ten little rivalry action there. Paul Bunyan's axe title. Um, if you transferred to to Minnesota, you know, you say you're a junior, you're, you're playing well, but you want to improve your draft stock or whatever, you would transfer to Minnesota, all well and good, but you would be essentially redshirted for the entire year. You wouldn't be able to play, and then the following year, you would be able to play. So, so it basically just wasted an entire year of your college career where you could be, you know, you could be improving your draft stock. You could be, you know, improving your, you know, improving your, your talent out on the field, playing well, right, getting tape, Um they change the rules so that now players can transfer and become immediately eligible to play the following year. Um, and so, you know, and so we see all these, you know, that that's why it's becoming so much more popular now is like, Hey, if I don't have to sit out a, a, an extra year, well, I'm just going to play right away. I can go wherever I want. I can, you know, if you're, if you're a good team on a, or, sorry, if you're a good player on a good team, you might want to transfer to, you know, to a lesser known team or a worse team so that you can really stand out, uh, improve your draft stock, really, really kind of put some good tape out there. However, you know, if you're a great player on a, on a, on a mediocre team, well, you'd want to go to a better team, maybe a better conference um, in order to kind of do the same thing, improve your draft stock and, 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 and get some good tape out there. So now that's becoming an insanely popular option for these kids and I think it's a great idea right it's 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 it really allows some freedom for the collegiate athletes who obviously don't have representation aren't you know aren't being paid um for their you know for for their play uh and so I think it was a great idea and I'm and I'm glad that they that the NCAA allowed this however some programs uh Clemson is 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 the most famous have spoken out you know Davo Sweeney has spoken out um that they that he will not utilize the transfer portal, right? Some of these schools are saying, "Look, we're not going to go after players. We're not going to basically, you know, look for players to to come to Clemson uh, or or these other schools, you know, who are transferring from uh, for you know from other programs." And so, 
because of this, really the question that this comes down to is like, will this this decision to not allow transfers pose a bigger detriment to the future of these schools? Or will it incentivize recruits to sign with these schools to, with the assurance that their jobs won't be constantly in, constantly on the line? I think this is a great question. Um, obviously, props to me for coming up to it, you know. Um, I don't even really have an answer here. I think it's just really something that we're going to have to look out for here as we continue in the in the coming years. And really, I think this is going to play out more so in, in 2022 when we see kind of this rule really in full effect where you have a bunch of players transferred to a bunch of teams. Um, and, and really see kind of what the what the result is here. I, I think that obviously I think the answer to this quite largely the answer to this question is it, it'll it'll probably hurt these teams more than more than not um, because the the quality of players who are going to be transferring are, are really great. And if you're not going to be accepting them, you know that's best basically just putting yourself at a disadvantage regardless, right? And so and so the other side of that argument is like, okay, yeah, well we're going to recruit really well anyway. Well, you can only recruit to a certain extent. Clemson is on a really really high, um, you know, kind of kind of um, you know fit rate or or I guess you know hit rate on their on their on their recruits who have turned out to be really great players but it's like if you're going to say sure it may incentivize a recruit to say hey I'm going to sign with Clemson because I know for a fact if they're not going to accept transfers I'll be able to play you know eventually I'll get my name out there I'll get drafted you know I'll put some great tape out there I'm really excited to go here but at the same time, you know, if, if they don't necessarily pan out to be great recruits, well, then you're really putting yourself at an even bigger disadvantage by not allowing these transfer portal students to come over and play for you. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see as we go forward here. That's kind of, that's kind of the, only, the only analysis that I can provide here. Um, but I do think it, it really is a good, a good um, you know, a, a good rule that the NCAA implemented which allows players to transfer and have immediate eligibility to play the next year. Um, I think that's going to have massive ramifications, positive ramifications on college football as we go along here. Um, and it'll be, but it'll be interesting, like I said, to kind of, you know, divide up who's who's going to be negatively or positively affected by the transfer portal and the immediate eligibility, as I as I just mentioned. Um, so those were the two college football topics. I think that kind of, you know, as we get closer to the end of the season here, there's not going to be too many more, I think, weeks of, of, of strictly college football topics that we'll be going over here. But I think those are two great ones for, for today. Um, and I hope that, you know, hope that I was able to provide some insight on how that's going and, and, and where we're going from here with regard to college football. The next topic that we're going to talk about, the next, uh, the next uh, segment here on the dock is the NBA. Um, two really great topics here. Kind of more about individual players. Obviously, you see the um, the the the, uh, the title of the episode includes KD. That's going to be our first topic here. We haven't heard much about the Nets this year after a demoralizing loss to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Obviously, we saw if KD has essentially had a half-size, you know, smaller shoe, that would have been a three-pointer. In Game 6, it would have gone in. Um, the Nets would have competed for the NBA Finals if they would have beaten the uh, the Suns, as the Bucks did. Um, you know, they, they would have been crowned NBA champions, and, and the entire outlook of the whole big three there, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, would be looked upon extremely extremely differently than they are now. We, like I said, we haven't heard a lot about them this year. Um, and, and so, because obviously there's a bunch of the drama going on with, with James Harden and Kyrie Irving, but it's like, how are they actually performing on the court, right? With all this going on? Well, they're the number one seed in the East. I mean, they, they've, they're 21 and nine. They've won a lot of their games. They've blown out a lot of the teams. And essentially it hasn't been, I guess, necessarily as surprising as we thought because they were projected to be the number one seed, right? So, the, so they're essentially doing what we thought they were supposed to, but what we couldn't have, have really projected before the season was all of the drama with Kyrie and then all of the drama now with James Harden. Um, and so they're, they're persisting, right, winning these games despite all the drama with Kyrie and Harden. And so the question becomes, is KD making a case that he's the best player in the world right now? And I think that is a resounding yes. We can make the claims about Steph Curry. Obviously, he's, you know, he, he's on another planet as well. And so I think they're, they're both playing equally as great and, and doing things with teams who don't have the greatest talent that, that we would never expect to actually happen. Um, Steph Curry has made more, I think, more news because obviously the Warriors have a better record. Um, 
they're you know they're 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 obviously playing better uh, than the Nets you know overall record based you know in the West and, and and facing the good competition. But but at the same time, KD is absolutely carrying this team of players from the Nets who like don't really have any any big names besides of you know besides Blake Griffin who like. You know he's 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 pretty much washed by now, and, and then Joe Harris, who can really only contribute, um, you know, from three point on offense and some, you know, some defense. So, I think he's playing out of his mind. I think he's playing lights out, and 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 really is being underrated in terms of how much production he is getting out of this team of, you know, really a lot of a lot of you know lesser known players who aren't who aren't really um you know wouldn't be starters on other teams, I think, for, for a certain sense. And so to still be the number one seed in the East and, and be winning all these games and the production that he's putting up, I mean, he's, it's, it's cra- he's, he's got triple doubles, he's got everything, right? So, um, and, he, and, you know, he's putting up like 30 a game. He is he is the best scorer in the world. Um, I, you know, I think he's the overwhelming MVP so far right now. Obviously, Steph is going to get... Uh, get all the votes here, and, and and I think maybe even I don't know that, that that's kind of I think maybe what the topic should have been is like who's better right now, Steph or KD? And, and really, I don't think you can even answer the question resoundingly, right? I mean, if you asked 100 people that question, you'd probably get a 50-50 response rate. Um, well, it would probably be more Steph, obviously, because he's he's made more news. He just broke the three-point record. So so in my mind, I think maybe maybe really what I'm trying to do here is just make a case, right, for KD and saying he is one of the best players in the NBA, right? Or, I think for the best player in the NBA right now for what he's doing with the team that he has, um, I think I think is unparalleled with you know as we as we span across the entire league and 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 so um, and so I think he is the best player right now and 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 really doing things for the Nets that they otherwise you know, probably wouldn't really, wouldn't really have the opportunity to do. And, and if they had Harden, if they had Kyrie, like a lot of this wouldn't even really be, be a subject. Obviously KD would still have the same skill level, still have the same talent level that he always has. He just would be, you know, passing the ball a lot more, right? James Harden would be taking a lot more shots. Um, you know, Kyrie would be getting a lot more of the assists. And so the team would be more well-rounded and obviously they will kind of hear, um, you know, in the coming months, as we get closer to the playoffs, you know, James Harden's going to come back and, and whatever. And so, to a certain extent, if I was the Nets right now, I'd say, hey, look, you know, I get the Ky- the KD's coming coming off the Achilles and, and everything. We don't want to risk him getting injured again. But at the same time, if we can just have James Harden out and still be winning these games with K- Ky- you know KD. Um, uh, you know, carrying the team right now, why not, right? Why not just basically rest James Harden, have him back for the playoffs, and and essentially be good there? Um, so so I think that's kind of the argument here is like. KD should be recognized for all that he's doing. He has less talent around him than Steph does with the Warriors, in my opinion. Uh, it, he may be, you know, he he is playing lesser competition, obviously, in the East than than Steph and the Warriors are having to face in the West there. But at the same time, they're still the number one seed, the Nets are, and and, and they're really getting this thing done. So um, so definitely props to Kevin Durant for all that he's doing. Uh, you know, it, it really is a great sign to, you know, to see him playing so well and continuing to play well after, obviously, the whole drama with the, with the Warriors, and then he got hurt, and he came back, and, you know, here he is, right? He's he's still doing. He's carrying the team, and I don't think he's getting he's getting enough recognition for it. So, um, here you go, here Kevin Durant. Here is your, um, you know, here here is your props for that. Our second NBA topic is talking about the Grizzlies. All right, a lesser known team here a little bit, but one who made a little bit of you know bigger news here um, with John Morant coming back a couple days ago. So. Obviously, the Grizzlies were without John Morant for the last twelve games. Um, during that span, they went they went ten and two. All right, in twelve games, they went ten and two. They also notched the largest win in NBA history, beating the Thunder by seventy three points. You probably saw this um, kind of when it happened. It was it was extremely it was extremely uh, you know it was extremely a big deal. I think obviously, I mean it's the biggest it's the biggest win in NBA history. So yes, of course it's going to be you know it's going to be a big uh, big deal here. So John Morant though came back for uh, for Monday night's game against. That's right. The Thunder. <laughs> so they just beat him by 37 or 73 points, uh, you know, uh, about a week, maybe a couple weeks ago. And he comes back and they're playing them again. You know, they're, they're huge favorites. It's like, all right, well, let's see what they can do now. However, it was an underwhelming performance, to say the least. I think they lost by seven um, at home. And, and, and 
And so we, we saw during the game, even John Morant got, got basically booed by the fans. People were telling him to sit back on the bench. He was, you know, he was missing shots. He wasn't playing well. Um, and so I think the question here is now, aside from Jaws' monstrous dunks and, and, and clutch shots near the end of the game, you know, we saw that one in the, in the play-in game with the Warriors last year in the playoffs. Does he actually inhibit the Grizzlies from reaching their true potential? We saw this in, in the games that he didn't play. They were rolling. I mean, I mean, absolutely rolling. And they don't even have any, you know, they don't even have any other kind of star players there by any means. Um, he, he really is the only kind of, you know, person there that I think is, is kind of, you know, high, highlight-worthy material. But here's the thing. If you're winning games and he's not on the court, that's a pretty good thing. And, and it's funny because I read before the game, I got a notification. It's like, oh, you know, John Morant's coming back after 12 games. I'm like, wow. All right, cool. So the, I knew the Grizzlies were doing pretty well, but I'm like, are they actually – they're going to be better now. Like, wow, that's great for the Grizzlies. And it was the exact opposite result. And so – Obviously, I don't think I think this is a bit of an inter- a bit of an overreaction because obviously he's been out for the last you know basically two months. So we can't we can't pin him not playing well in his first game back in two months on him being you know a, a detrimental you know part of the Grizzlies organization and they're not going to be able to win anymore. Again. No, let's not let's not go there. But at the same time, even when he has been, and obviously right, they made the playoffs last year. They beat the Warriors in, in, in the playoff game uh, or the play-in game uh, to make the playoffs officially and, and kind of be in the series there. But at the same time, you know, they, they're not obviously any 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 type of class within the West. Now, they're winning their division right now. Um, they're beating the Mavs by, I think, like four games uh, or three and a half or something. So they're really on track to make the playoffs again. And, and I do think that that's really great kind of, you know, they're, they're set up here for, for as we approach halfway through the season. So um, they're playing really well. And I think that it is really just going to be a time tells all experiment here with John Morant to see whether or not they actually can, uh, can produce as well as they were with him when, you know, with him out uh, for the past, for the past couple months here. So, but I did think it was just really interesting, right? It's like, it's almost, it's, it's like a huge coincidental environment where you have, you know, they beat the, the Thunder by 73 points, the largest margin of defeat in NBA history without their best player, arguably, right, in John Morant, uh, that he comes back when, the, you know, when they are playing the Thunder in the next game and then they lose outright, uh, you know, to them at home. And it's like, well, dude, what are we doing here? And right, like I said, he got chance during the game. The fans were not happy. They were telling him to sit back on the bench. And so... Yes, you can argue, you know, they, they looked worse without him, but I do think to, that to a some extent they just they just got really on, you know, they, they got on a really great roll without him. And, and, and now that he's back, they're going to have an opportunity to, um, you know, a great opportunity to kind of get back rolling with him in the starting lineup. And, and, and once he does start, you know, kind of making those dunks, those highlight real plays, people are actually going to start – I think, you know, caring more about the Grizzlies. Because, again, media attention and all that is really based on star power. And so when he's making these monstrous dunks, he's going to get on SportsCenter. He's going to get on the top ten plays. You know, they're going to start showing him. They're going to show the Grizzlies and how much they're winning um, if they do continue to win with him in. Um, and, and really, I think that's an, that's a definitely a positive, uh, you know, a positive outlook on what can be here for, for the Grizzlies going forward. I think they're a real contender in the West here, man, um, especially when they're going to win their division, obviously, if, you know, you know, if, 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 the, if the Mavs continue to struggle with that, that division, though, is is the worst in the NBA far, by far. I mean, you got the Pelicans, you got the you got the um, you got the Spurs, like two, two other terrible teams. The Mavs obviously are not what, the, what we thought they would be. And now just announced today, Luka Doncic has COVID. So he's going to be out for the next 10 to 12 days. You know, he's going to miss probably five games. So it's going to be interesting here to see what, what the Grizzlies are able to do in Luka Doncic's ab- absence playing, you know, kind of getting a bigger lead on the other teams in their division and obviously making a, you know, trying to make a playoff run here, uh, you know, as, as we go forth. But, but really the, 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 to get back to kind of the, the topic here too, is like I think they'll be fine. I think they'll fi- they'll figure out how to play with Job back and, and and really kind of you know showcase what they do have in him. You know in 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 how the team is going with him in. Um, 
obviously in his first game back in two months, it's not going to be it's not going to be amazing, right? And, and to, to 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 pull this completely full circle, we, we saw what happened with the um we saw what happened with the Cardinals, right? When 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 Kyler Murray was out, they played well. He comes back, they lose to the Lions, right? I mean, like what are we doing here? So I think there's a lot of opportunity still to come here for the Grizzlies and and, and getting Jaw back and healthy is is definitely a benefit to their team that they wouldn't have had otherwise. I think that obviously too we're in the we're in the part of the NBA regular season here we're like you know we're, we're like a quarter of the way through it you know some teams are trying hard some teams aren't and 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 so the Grizzlies I think just really kind of were able to to kind of catch a lot of teams off guard with how how scrappy they are how how you know they're playing great defense and stuff and so now we're we're, we're really seeing that you know all right in, in a circumstance in which all the teams are playing hard against all the teams, you know, that you have on your schedule, it really comes down to like, all right, cool. Well, well, well now we can really see like, hey, if, if, if Josh starts playing well and the Grizzlies, were, you know, start making a run here, they're a legit team. Or is it kind of like they kind of got lucky and, and, and maybe when they were scheduled against other teams, the teams were like, all right, they don't have John Morant. They're not going to play very hard. You know, we can probably get an easy win here. They come out, you know, and, and looking, looking hot. And it's like, oh, wow, they're a great competition. And then they just weren't able to win the game. So, that's, I think, probably a little bit more what happened here. And we'll see going forward if if John Morant kind of being back is is more detrimental to the team than than kind of having him, uh, you know, having him in the starting lineup. That does it for the two topics in the NBA. Um, KD obviously making making his case for for being one of the best players in the world right now. Um, obviously is the best scorer, but uh, but really carrying the the Nets there. And then obviously John Morant being out um, and, and and the Grizzlies potentially being better without him. So so we'll see with that going forward. The last sport that we have to cover here on this loaded episode of the first down rundown podcast is college basketball we talked about this a couple weeks ago on our you know on our weekend episode we got a little bit of early hot takes in um and, and, and kind of talked about a lot there, but uh, but things are starting to heat up now as we get as we get closer to conference play. Conference play starts, uh, I think, in I think in two games, uh, and then and then for those of you who don't know, just kind of a background story here. So essentially. The conference that you're in, you play almost, you know, I, I would say probably two thirds of your games against that conference, right? So if you're, you know, if you're in the Big 12, you're playing Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma State, uh, Kansas State, Kansas, all these teams, you're playing them for two thirds of your season. And and you're playing, you know, you're, you're, you're playing the other teams that you're scheduling kind of random teams here, you know, going, going forward, uh, or at least for the first third of your schedule, you know, you're playing your, 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 you know, if you're in the big 12, you're playing your incarnate words, you're playing your easy teams, you're playing your Marquettes, right? Um, and so now we're pushing conference play and that's really when things start to get heated because your conference record comes into play a lot. The conference tournaments at the end of the season, uh, you know, the, every winner of the conference tournament get an automatic bid into March Madness. So um, things are starting to heat up here and that's why I think we should, you know, it's definitely worth it to talk about college basketball um, kind of, you know, as we approach the the holidays here and, and, and really getting to, you know, three-ish months away from March Madness. So the first topic with regard to college basketball is going to be Baylor. Baylor won the championship last year. They beat Gonzaga. They beat him handily. They crushed Gonzaga in the championship, and they are back and really better than ever. Um, they, they, I think they were ranked uh, fifth or something to start the year. Gonzaga was first. Obviously, Gonzaga has has struggled a little bit. Baylor is absolutely rolling. They beefed up their non-conference schedule to include top, two top ten teams and crushed both of them. Villanova, they beat by, I think, 21. Michigan State, they beat by 17. All of their games have been double-digit wins, except for two. I think it was VCU and Oregon um, were the only two where they won by, I think, eight, you know, seven or eight points. Other than that, they've won all their games by at least, like, 17 points. They've won most of their games by 20 or 30 points. They are just crushing everybody that, that you know, that, that's in their path right now. And so now that we're one game away from the start of conference play, do we think Baylor has a shot of entering March Madness undefeated? And it's so funny because the, 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 the number one kind of overwhelming topic that me and Hayden talked about on the first college basketball preview episode was the expectations of Gonzaga, right? Everybody says at the beginning of every season, is Gonzaga going to make it to March Madness undefeated? Are they going to win all their non-conference games? Are they going to run through their conference games? Are they going to, you know, run through the conference tournament and enter March Madness undefeated? And now we're having this, this conversation about Baylor. 
it is unfair to place the expectations of Baylor going into March Madness undefeated on them this early in the season. They're 11 and 0. Yes, they beat, as I said, you know, as I've just went over for the last like two minutes of discussion, they beat the top 10 teams by you know by by 20 points. They're they're beating everybody else by 30 points. So yes, they have looked amazing so far, but. Conference play, especially in a Power Five conference like the Big Twelve, where you got to go to Kansas, right? You got to go to Texas. These types of places, you you're not guaranteed to. to it's not going to be easy, easy sledding here like it has been for Gonzaga. You know, in, in in contrast to what we've been talking about. So that's that's really what we have going here. Is like, it's it's I I have very. I have a lot of confidence in the fact that Baylor is not going to enter March Madness undefeated. Obviously, I'm going to be rooting them for them to do so because if they do, that would be like basically they'll be the first Power Five team since Kentucky in like 2015 uh, to enter March Madness undefeated, uh, and and obviously rolling over a you know a really talented conference. Like I mentioned Kansas and Texas. You also got you know Oklahoma's playing really well. West Virginia's playing really well. So it's going to be tough for them to to really roll through the conference um, as I think most people think they might. But at the same time, it's really great for what they've been doing right now. I think we should definitely appreciate the fact that they have won all their games so far and they've won so convincingly. It's hard to do that, man. It's hard to do that you know, in, in your non-conference play, because like I said, especially if you're going to be scheduling good teams like Villanova and Michigan State, it's not guaranteed at all that you're going to win those games, even, you know, even win, much less win convincingly by, you know, by 17 points, by 23 points. So that, I think they're a really great story so far in the sport. Um, and, and, then, and then we'll kind of continue to see going forward here if they're able to continue that run into Big 12 play. Obviously, I think that they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll be earning a number one seed here when it does come to March Madness and, and, and deciding who makes it and who doesn't. Um, you know, they'll be a number one seed. They'll, they'll, they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be one of the favorites to win the championship. And, and I do think that, you know, a lot of the talk then is going to be like, hey, are we going to get a repeat champion? We haven't had a repeat champion in, in, in college basketball since Florida did it. I believe in 2006 and 2007 um, was when they won back-to-back champions, and that was the last time to do it. So, that, you know, 15 years ago, that's a long time. If Baylor can if Baylor can pull something together like that, you know, all the credit in the world to them, it'd be great to see uh, if they were able to. And, and I'm really excited for the outlook of their team going forward. The second topic in college basketball and our last topic of the day before Matt gives out his classic betting lock of the week um, is going to be talking about the Pac-12. So we didn't mention, obviously, we, we had a whole topic on who we think the best conferences are in college basketball on our on our preview episode a couple weeks ago. We didn't talk much about the Pac-12 um, in, our, in our early college basketball takes episode, but now they're making a name for themselves, all right? We see, obviously, US, UCLA got to the Final Four last year as an 11 seed. Um, you know they they they've they've been really good this season. They've only lost once. They're in the top. You know they're in the top ten. Arizona is number six. They're eleven and zero. USC is twelve and zero. They're number eight. I think so. Now we got three teams in the top ten here, and, and and two of those teams are undefeated. And so you don't want to talk about you know a good story going into conference play. That would definitely be the Pac twelve. Um, and I think that we saw them do the same in terms of making a name for themselves, stepping up and winning these big games. We saw them do that in March Madness last year. And in contrast to the Big Ten, as me and Hayden talked about on the episode two before, um, the Big Ten, we, we, we thought we're going to, everyone, all the Big Ten teams were going to make the Final Four. Big Ten team was going to make the championship for sure. None of the Big Ten teams even made it out of the Sweet 16 last year. Michigan was the furthest, and and, and they lost to, uh, you know, they lost to UCLA, obviously, in the Elite Eight. So, Really, what we have to kind of consider here is like, you know, what's the reason for the Pac-12? Nobody really seems to be giving the Pac-12 any credit. What's the reason for this, and what's the out? What's their outlook um, as we continued on with the season? I think the biggest reason that nobody really seems to give them credit is because they're on the West Coast. I mean, to be honest, the games are on late at night. Um, a lot of the games don't get you know kind of prime time credibility as they should, and realistically. Most of the teams that we talk about are are kind of either in the Midwest or on the East Coast here. Um, but I do think that the West Coast is really the basketball. The quality of basketball is really improving on the West Coast. Uh, we see this with the records that they have so far, and obviously they get into conference play. It'll be really great. Um, but one of the kind of one of the knocks against the Pac-12 as a conference is that they kind of beat up on themselves, right? And so we have a lot of these undefeated teams, as I mentioned, UCLA. Um, 
only has one loss, and that was to Gonzaga. So that's you know one of the best losses that you can have in the entire country right now. Arizona's undefeated. USC is undefeated. So as we go forward here, you know, if, if they start beating up on each other a little bit here and kind of being like, you know, they end up, you know, not having such great records. Well, I think they still should be considered as, you know, one of the premier conferences in college basketball and get a lot more respect than they do. We saw last year was a perfect example, right? USC was a six seed. They made it to the Elite Eight. Oregon State was a 12 seed, and they only made the tournament because they won the Pac-12 tournament and, and went on some crazy run, won the entire conference, got into March Madness, and they made it to the Elite Eight too, right, as a 12 seed. Like, that's crazy. So, Really great performance by the Pac-12 overall in March Madness last year and a really great start to the season. I think the potential for this conference is really unlimited, and I do hope that they kind of have some some solid performances here going forward because I don't think that they – obviously, they, they kind of have to have their teams get respected now because of the um, you know because of the quality of their teams and, and, and the undefeated nature of them and whatever – but, like, they're not really going to be earning these high ranks and stuff going forward. So it's glad, I'm glad to see them do well uh, as we, you know, as we approach kind of the, um, you know, as we approach the the conference play here. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting, interesting to see who, uh, who kind of can come out on top in the conference because I think it's going to be really great. Obviously, UCLA is probably the favorite because they won, um, you know, they didn't win the conference last year, but they got to the Final Four and they had all those guys make a name for themselves. So... So will be will be great to see kind of how we go forward here in the Pac-12 and and what the outlook for their conference will be. I think it's very positive. I just hope that they get some recognition from the media. Um, okay, so we are exactly at an hour of recording as of right now. I think that's enough of my voice that you guys had to hear today. We have one segment left. It's the famous segment that never misses a weekday episode, and that is Matt's betting lock of the week. Let me tout for a second. All right, touting means bragging basically um i was one in four to start after five weeks of doing this i was down in the dumps i was like you know what we need to figure out a different way of doing this i i don't know how to get myself out of this hole how are we going to how are we going to recover from this well the uh, the the only answer was like look we just got to put that behind us we got to keep looking forward and we got to win these games all right and that's exactly what happened we won two in a row all right we got the we got the falcons over to panthers Two weeks ago, outright winner. We had the, the the Texans getting three and a half from the Jags last week, outright winner. Um, it, it was just easy. I mean, both of those games. You, you it, the Panthers had nobody. They fired their offensive coordinator. Let's fade the Panthers, right? Um, and and then the last week, obviously with all the Urban Meyer news and everything like that, the Texans, they, you know, they play hard. They go in there and they beat the Jags um, in, in in their own house in a rainy game in a monsoon down there in Jacksonville. Regardless, we got the dubs. All right, we're three and four in the season. Yes, we have losing record, but like I said, three and four sounds a heck of a lot better than one and four. Who was our betting lock of the week this week? I'm going with another short dog. This is going to be a contentious one, but I, I'm pretty confident in the decision that I have here. I'm going with the Bills plus two and a half against the Patriots. Okay. It's a very, as I said, controversial topic, betting on the Bills against the Patriots. We saw what happened the last time these two teams played in Buffalo. Patriots go in there, they throw three passes in the entire game, and they win the game outright, Monday Night Football. Um, this game is going to be in New England. It's, it's you know, it's it, the Patriots are favored, at, you know, early as they should be. You got Bill Belichick coming off a loss to the Colts. Why would you bet on the Bills? I think it's due to the situation. Okay, when they played in Buffalo, Buffalo was the Bills were three point favorites. Obviously, they lost the game. But in those wins, we saw you couldn't pass the ball at all, and that's what the Bills do. They pass all the time. I'm not. I'm not really advocating that the, that passing the ball all the time is the best decision. But at the same time, you know, obviously, we see the greatness of Josh Allen can basically overcome anything and lead his team to victory that way. I think they're going to do that in New England this week. The weather's not going to be that bad. Obviously, the, the you know the Patriots and Bill Belichick playing in Gillette Stadium. Obviously, nothing that you really want to ever bet against. But I do think that 
essentially this game is a coin flip game. And 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 so if we're going to compare it, this is really my 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 line of thinking. Nothing has happened differently with these two teams since they last played. All right, but when they last played, the Bills were favored by three, and this time the Patriots are favored by two and a half. So what is the five and a half points of difference really saying there? Or or, or why is there five and a half points of difference? I don't think there should be. Right? I don't think there should be a difference of five and a half points in the line movement. That's why I'm taking the Bills. We're taking them plus two and a half in New England. It's a really, it, it, it's a it's a ballsy play. I'll say it, all right? It's a ballsy play to take New England or take uh, Buffalo going into New England, but I think they're going to get it done. We're going to take the plus two and a half. Um, you know, Bills, I think they have a good shot to win the game outright. I do think, you know, I do think they will. They also need it for the division. That's another huge piece. Um, you know, if they lose this game to the Patriots, the Patriots basically automatically won the division. Uh, if the Bills beat the Patriots and win out, they can still win the division, get those home playoff games. That's exactly what they need. I'm getting. I'm taking the bills. We're taking the points. That's how we're doing it. All right. So that is the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking to, staying tuned for this long uh, and listening to my voice as I, you know, as I rambled on here for the last hour. Uh, I do hope that I provided some great insight when it comes to all the four sports that we covered. Lots of topics. Lots of sports. That's the way we love to do it here on the First Down Rundown podcast. And we will be coming at you again soon. That's the next thing I wanted to talk about. In terms of scheduling, we're not really sure. I will be with Hayden in person for the next two what would be scheduled episodes. Obviously, we normally record on Saturdays. This Saturday is Christmas Day. We got some family plans. We got some stuff going on. I'm not sure if we'll be able to kind of get get some uh, get any content to out to you guys on Christmas. But I I do hope that you find solace in the fact that the only day that we're taking off for this entire you know entire year is Christmas Day. Um, because obviously, as Hayden's been on vacation, I, you know, I picked up the work. I know that if I couldn't do it, he would, he would pick up the slack as well. So, um, so not sure if we're going to be getting out a podcast on Saturday, uh, and and it, it, for good reason too, right? I mean, it, at the end of the day, too, like if you're if you're dying for a podcast from us on Christmas Day, please let us know because that means you're one of our biggest fans, uh, and, and we would love to get that out for you. So, so we will definitely do that if we're required to do it. Um, but might skip Christmas just because of the holiday and, and, and family stuff going on with there. Next episode will be then next Tuesday, all right, after the after the games on Monday night, after the Monday night game between the Saints and, and the Dolphins. That way we can kind of get get some stories going, get some topics going, uh, update the update the you know update the stories there. Hayden will probably have a fun segment to go over. Um, it'll it'll be great. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the First Round Rundown podcast. The last two episodes I have done by myself. I hope you enjoyed them. Got some content. Got some really great discussion discussions going on. Got some who cares sports in the last episode with Formula One and MLB. Got some regular sports you know kind of in season sports here. Uh, you know with it with the four with the four sports that we. Covered during this podcast. Got some great content. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed, um, and we will see you later on the First Down Rundown podcast.